tuning again to another episode of the Cosign Conversations podcast. This is a special edition of Relationships with Money podcast powered by Frost Bank. Today we have a senior vice president from Frost Bank, Sadat Rashid. How you doing today, brother? Hey, I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for joining us today. Um, this is week six. And six weeks we've been educating our community on financial literacy and just helping them get right so that they can continue to go on their journey. Um, before we even get started, how important is like financial literacy to you personally? You know, to me personally, first of all, let me let me just thank you for, for uh, having this. I think it. it's been an amazing six weeks of partnership, learning, uh, collaboration. And sure. so we, we greatly appreciate likewise, uh, that, likewise. that partnership. So I think, you know, for me, especially um, you know, being a father, being a husband, um, financial literacy is really important for sure. because for me, um, I have to make sure that family is taken care of. Right. I have to make sure that my son uh, understands uh, the, the value of money and understands the value of credit. For sure. And, and, it, and it really plays into what I do on a daily basis okay. um, in, in helping customers to understand the same thing. Got you. And I have, I have a daughter myself. Uh, do you have any advice on how to teach your kids and make it like, acceptable for them to where it's kind of cool or it's just something like, hey, they're going to have to learn as they learn. Like, you have any advice for, for us parents struggling to, for our kids to understand how important this is? Well, I, you know, I would, I would never call myself an expert in this because I'm, <laughs> I'm learning as I go with right. everyone else. But, you know, what I found to be valuable is simplicity. Okay. Um, and so really understanding what they enjoy. Okay. Right? And attributing what they enjoy um, to, you know, how they can continue to enjoy that, that so sense. so whether that you know for my son it's 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 sneakers. Same. He's, he's a he's a he's a sneakerhead, right? <laughs> and so I told him I said, look, I said when you start working, right, let's break down that paycheck, okay, and what you're actually going to have available after you buy those nice new Nikes that just came out. Got you. I said once you drop a hundred dollars on those brand new Nikes, right, what have you what are you going to have left to cover all your expenses? Mm. And so we have those kinds of discussions to help it to be real for him. Otherwise. Gotcha. Just talking about how to balance a checkbook right. really isn't sufficient. We don't use checks anymore. We do not. We do not. I tried um, I tried something similar to my daughter, and she she loves Nike. She's a track. She runs track, volleyball, basketball. So she loves Nike. Nike shoes, Nike sweatsuits, jogging suits, etc. So one day we were shopping, and her jumpsuit came out to be like a hundred dollars, and then her shoes are like one twenty, two twenty, with tax. I think like two forty something. And I pulled up on my phone how much. Um, Nike stock was trading at the at that time, and it was like maybe like one twenty. And I was like, "Man, so what do you want to do?" I'm like, "We can buy you two shares of Nike stock, so you can ownership, so you can own two shares of Nike stock, or do you want the clothes?" And if I had to ask her, she would be like, "Just give me the clothes and the shoes." But right, when I right. the way I worded it, she was like, "Well, can we do one in one?" So she yeah. got one stock and the jumpsuit, so she didn't get the shoes. So I told her to try to think about that, like when you're when you're spending money, right? Like, if you just buy, it's only gonna hold value for so long before you know you grow out of it or you can no longer wear it. But if you buy it and then also buy ownership in the company, that will grow over time. So now her mind is kind of working like that. So that's one of the cool things I've done that you know she's uh, she's taken to and hasn't just kind of ignored me. I'm like my dad doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and you 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 hit it on the head. I think I, I have a very similar example and, and and I applaud you for that because Man. looking at the stock and and being able to show them the markets right. is a whole different element um, versus the idea of consumerism right sure. just 
purchasing items, right? Purchasing Nikes, purchasing clothes, what have you. Um, so I established a brokerage account for okay. my son. And we had that very similar conversation. Got you. Um, because I said, oh, you, you like Nikes quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I, said I, I bought you a stake in Nike. Nice. So you'll have a stake in Nike. Um, instead of buying you those Air Force Ones. So, nice. so take that. He wasn't too happy in the beginning. <laughs> he wanted uh, Air Force Ones. He, 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 he wanted those ones bad. Right. Um, but, but I think he really got the point of, all right, dad is really trying to get me thinking beyond, you know, what, what this immediate gift of a shoe will be. Nah, that makes sense. You know, kudos to you as well. Kudos to you. Uh, perfect segue. We're talking about purchasing. So, look. A lot of people who watch this podcast, who's in our program, who listens to Cosign and watches Cosign are entrepreneurs. They're business owners. I'd probably say either starting or about the two to three year mark. And everyone wants to know about business credit. It's one of those important things in business that um, is needed. Right. So we're at a stage where it's like, how can we help people understand not only the importance of it, but how to build it? And, you know, the nuances of business credit and, you know, just some things about it that we may not know from, you know, um, uh, beginner face. Right. So first and foremost, let's start with this. As an entrepreneur, small business owner, when should you start working to build business credit and how do they start? We've heard of stuff like, you know, open a line account, get a Duns and Bradstreet. But let's just let's just walk through the whole process. So how do we start building business credit from day one? And when's a great point to start? Is it day one? Is it once you've established your company for a while? You know, I think I think it really depends on the business first. Okay. Right? Because there's going to be a business uh, type that's not going to necessarily have a way to establish business credit immediately. Okay. And so when I think of, you know, folks that are jumping into a distribution or manufacturing, right, right some sort of business model where there are receivables. Okay. Right. And there's also payables, okay. right? You're going to be able to establish business credit with those payables. Mm. Just as the people that are purchasing your product okay. in bulk and will owe you money have to establish business credit with right. you. For sure. And, and so those are things to think about because when we have folks in the service business, mm-hmm. right, that are delivering a service and they're really not receiving, uh, you know, money in, in, in arrears for, for, right. for their items, it can be a little challenging gotcha. for that business credit because your payables may be immediate. Right. You may not need terms for, for, sure. your, for your payables. So, you know, the, the, the answer to that is going to be nuanced based on your business type. Gotcha. But say you fall into a business category where you have the opportunity with your payables, okay. right, to establish terms. That is when you want to be able to do that immediately. Okay. To really establish those relationships with those vendors that you're paying to have terms that are reportable. Okay. Keep in mind, those reports done in Bradstreet, any other reporting uh, facilities are going to charge the business reporting. Okay. For that report. So, part of bi- building business credit, the challenge is you have to have people that you're paying pay for the reporting Boarding. that's going to benefit you. Gotcha. Right? So so sometimes some of this is out of your control. Gotcha. Because, you know, if you're establishing personal credit, it's a whole different structure. Right. If you're establishing business credit, you know, part of that reporting has to be compensated or paid for by someone. So mm. um, kind of keep that in mind. You want to start early. You want to start often. 
to really talk to those payables about okay. making sure that they're reporting on that information. So with that, is there a correlation between your personal credit and business credit? Absolutely. Okay, talk to us about that. How important is your personal credit when it comes to business credit and at what stage? You know, so really when, when you think of personal credit, finding its way to the impact business credit, mm -hmm. when you're first starting out, a lot of those companies that you have into relationships with are going to pull your credit report. Right. Because ultimately they see the business and yourself as one and the same. Right. Right. Your ability to maintain a good credit standing personally will ideally translate over right. to your business and vice versa. Gotcha. And so, you know, what you really want to focus on as you become an entrepreneur is where do you sit with your personal credit. Okay. Where is that score? Where is your debt to income okay. ratio, which is affecting your score? For sure. Those are all things that other businesses are gonna look at when they start to establish credit terms for you. Gotcha. Because that's the only way that they can grade you if you're just getting started. Mm. So would you say step one is make sure you have your personal credit affairs in order before you even attempt to go on the business credit side? I would say that is 100% <laughs> step one. That may be step zero. <laughs> Before you even think about it, get your personal credit together. That makes sense. That does make sense. Um, when you talk about Dunn & Bradstreet Number, those like, those are, that's a company or organization that people hear about a lot when it comes to business credit. Are there ways to build with going around it? Well, let's say you open up a Uline account, um, which you know people say to do first. Um, does it automatically report to Dunn & Bradstreet, or you have to go to Dunn & Bradstreet first? get that report and is there a way to do it without it you know i would i would say i'm not fully versed in the mechanics okay. of that for the timing um but i would i would definitely encourage folks to go to dun and bradstreet's website mm -hmm. um find out what their reporting requirements are okay. and the timing of the reporting requirements i think what's important to understand is that from a banking perspective right we are not examining thoroughly your business credit with vendor relationships. Okay. So so maybe I can start there That's a good and, point. And, and, and help help segue to maybe some additional conversation. Let's do that. Um, because we are really focused on how that business owner maintains their personal credit and their personal debt obligations. Okay. The terms that you have from a business credit perspective mm -hmm. with a vendor may be, you know, lights right right that that may be your your water and sewer from the city okay um that may be the 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 person that brings you paint for your art okay right and so those terms don't necessarily help you okay as you're as you're kind of building on i would say the stronger thing that you focus on with your business from a credit perspective okay. is really on the personal side of things because okay. that's what a bank is going to look at got you I know this may, you know, differentiate, but is there a, a credit score they should aim to be at before even having those conversations with the you know, financial institution? Like, hey, you might at least want to be at a 620. You know, like when you look at a house, like at least 620 and up or, you know, 550 wants your rate to be like this. But what's that number or I would say around that number for like if you want to start working towards line of credit, mm -hmm. credit card, et cetera? No, I think that's a that's a great question. I think it's it's uh, it becomes kind of the magic number, right? right? Yeah. What's that, um, what's that magic that, that, number that every that everyone is looking yeah. for? And and I will tell you, every bank is a little different. Okay. And sure. and so so the things that you know Frost would look at right. might be different from what Bank of America looks at. So I have to you know 
preface my, sure. my response there. Um, but I would I would really say your score okay. for your credit is really determined not just by the age of your credit, mm. but how you're managing your debt. Okay. So here's an example. If you are reporting income of $50,000 okay. and you're managing debt of $25,000, okay. so you're right at 50%. Right. Most banks prefer 40% or less mm. from a debt-to-income yeah. ratio perspective. That's a gem. Okay. So when you think in terms of your credit score, unless it's a mortgage, unless it's a vehicle, these are loans that are amortization, right. amortizing and declining right. um, in balance versus your revolving credit. Um, if you're not revolving that credit, if you're not bringing that credit down to zero, mm -hmm. your debt profile just increases, and it appears that your $50,000 in income per year is insufficient mm, okay. to keep your debt at a stable level. Makes sense. And so I, I, I preface these things around a score because it used to be prior uh, to, I would say, 2008 and 2009, okay. where we had really a financial crisis in this country right. and in the world, uh, you could walk in with an inflated credit score uh, and without really of an explanation mm -hmm. about your business or your personal right. finances, you, you could qualify for things. And I think what banks learned is that we need to look at the more dynamic aspects of a credit report. Okay. Instead of saying, if you're at 620 or better, regardless of your debt situation, you qualify. Right. Because unfortunately, that would be misleading. Okay. Because even if you're at 750 and I perceive that your debt or the loan that you're applying for will bring your debt beyond that 40%, okay. I'm still going to have a pause. Right. Makes sense. Is there a way, I'm going to speak for Frost Bank, not all banks, but Frost Bank, when it comes to relationships that you're able to basically, you know, please your case. Cause some people may have, you know, instances where they ran through, you know, a hard or hard moment or hard a hard time that brought their credit score down or, you know, maybe increased their debt, but they're working to pay it off. But it, you're able to kind of like tell your story about your credit and your business. Um, so that way it's not just so black and white because if you look at a credit report, it's black and white. All you're going to see is what it tells you, but there may be a reason why so a certain thing is on there. Do y'all take that into consideration or, you know, as a financial institution, you have to go by certain guidelines? Yeah, I think that's a that's an excellent question. Um, I think for us specifically, mm -hmm. we will look at the situation. Okay. We are relationship-based. Okay. Right? And we understand that unforeseen circumstances befall us all. Um, I think really what we're trying to understand from the borrower is have you worked to remedy the situation, right. right? And so if something is on your credit report with significant age right. and it hasn't been resolved, what's the story, mm. right? If it's your credit report looks great and then this is new, this is fresh, right. can you tell me more about a tax lien? Can you okay. tell me more about this medical bill? For sure. Can you tell me more about, but if it's I've been disputing this tax lien for the last 15 years, right. and that's why my credit score will never right. be beyond <laughs> 700, yeah. then the concern for us is 
you know, how will you manage new debt that you bring on with the bank? Gotcha. Now that makes sense. So let's say I'm walking in, I'm ready. What's like the, what's the first product you would, you would tell somebody to kind of look at? Is it uh, a business credit card? Is it a line of credit? Is it a business loan? I know other aspects determine like, you know, how much you need um, for your business or et cetera and what it's going to. But if somebody's just starting out, I guess what's the easiest way to start with that relationship with a finance institution and then grow up into, you know, maybe like business loan or lending? What do you say is the perfect situation to start at? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the first thing that, that you have to do is build a relationship with right. a banker. Um, and, and, and I stress that from the standpoint of if you lay your cards on the table right. with not only your history, but your entrepreneurial spirit of what made you go into business For sure. and what your goals are, that individual will then be able to say, all right, based on mm. these questions, based on your history, here's what I think, and based on your business model, right. here's what I think would make the most sense to start out okay. with, right? Because I think we've now graduated mm. because of some tough financial times right. here in the States. Um, with credit, with revolving credit, with lines of credit, um, where that's not something that's in our conversation anymore as bankers. Okay. I really want to understand what are your needs? What, what is the growth that you're trying to achieve? For sure. And so, you know, if I say, hey, you're getting started, you need a credit card for some of your incidental bills. Okay. You need um, something that, you have access to in your hand, right. right? To pay some of these smaller expenses, okay? Right? Um, where your line of credit, your line of credit is for more major purchases, okay? Scenarios where you wouldn't even be able to use a card, mm. right? Okay. A major vendor that says, "Hey, we don't accept credit card, but you can pay via line of credit," okay? Right? Because you can advance that to your checking. Gotcha. Pay that vendor while you're waiting on that receivable on the back end, right? Right. So I think we're talking more about what are your needs and what are the tools to help you with your needs versus gotcha. here's the credit product that we're just going to pump out okay. to the public. That makes sense. Are there different terms like line of credit for those who aren't familiar? Is that something? I know that's like more of like a short term, right? Mm -hmm. Like 12, is it 12 months or less? or is 12 it months or less. You have it right. Less. Yes. So if you want a, a longer product, that would be like your typical business loan? Absolutely. So we would offer a term loan for that. Okay. And, you know, typically anything beyond 12 months, and, and this is – this is where you have a good conversation with okay. somebody, right? Um, to understand what what really is something that should be longer term versus right. shorter term. And this gets into the accounting, okay? right? Um, if you have an asset that you are acquiring, okay. right? A vehicle for the business. Okay. You know, in, in, in one of the other events that, that we had, we, we talked about purchasing vehicles for a business right. over the road. Um, that's an asset to your business. Mm. Now, you've got a liability, is that liability short-term or long-term? Mm. Typically, a vehicle loan is going to be more than a year. Right. And so, you know, as we educate around the accounting of it and where that kind of falls in the balance sheet, um, then I think that's helpful for, for our folks to really kind of understand what are the instruments I need to use mm. for this particular purchase. Got you. Um, let's talk about some of the misconceptions that you've seen when it comes to business credit from entrepreneurs, small business owners, that you like, hey, we need to clear this up. <laughs> like, what are some things you've heard of, like, hey, like, that's not true? 
Um, let me kind of educate you. Are there any things that you come, that comes to mind? Yeah, I think, you know, the, when it comes to business credit, um, I think at times in the past, folks have thought that maybe their vendor relationship credit yeah. superseded their personal credit responsibility, mm. right? So I have great vendor relationships that right. are reported to Dun & Bradstreet. Right. You should be able to give my business a credit line. Right. Well, not necessarily. Okay. Um, you know, because you pay that vendor on time, mm. because that vendor supplied you with a product that you then sold and collected, right. doesn't necessarily mean that you are credit worthy for an open line of credit okay. at a bank. And I think that's probably one of the broader misconceptions that I've seen. Got you. Do y'all take into account, we talked about purchasing a car, your, um, you know, as a business loan. Do y'all take that in consideration? Because so last week we had a podcast, we talked about buying a car and um, your business name. And the gentleman was telling us that, you know, in most cases, like let's say you're a personal guarantor, right? Um, you necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be you. It could be a representative from your company. Um, it could be a registered agent, it could be the CFO, they just need to be, you know, um, you know, within the company, right? So does that technically, do y'all look at, you know, business, like a car's loans as far as business uh, lending? Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, when you think of term loans, and, and just to kind of come back to some of the instruments that we right. have, so we have business credit cards, right. right? And we have business lines of credit. We have business term loans. And now okay. those term loans can be anything from, Real estate backed okay. to equipment okay. backed, and equipment would include vehicles. Okay. Right? Yeah. So whether you are buying a forklift mm. or you're buying a van because you move from site to site mm. and you are working um, at different, you know, uh, you're bringing your business to those sites, right. uh, we would consider those equipment loans. Okay. And what I found, I had, I had a recent project, and, and I always like to tell this story because my business owners found out the very difficult way. Uh, they went to a dealer and they said, hey, we, you know, we've been in business now for the last you know, four years and we have four years of business financials and you know, we'd really like to put these vehicles you know, and, and get a loan in, in our business name. We know that you'll need to pull our credit report. And right. We're fine there, great credit scores and what have you. Um, but the dealer said, you know, we really can't help you. We, we sign up fleets. Okay. And so the best interest rate that we could give you was 16%. Right? And so regardless of the quality of his credit, the dealer made a decision mm. to basically offer terms to dissuade the one-off, mm. one-vehicle, two-vehicle type of customer. Gotcha. Because what the dealer is able to make with those type of transactions is the servicing. Mm. So they want a fleet. So you, they want you to go in and buy about 10 or 15 right. vehicles, and they want to be able to service those vehicles, and then they'll give you favorable pricing. Right. So that was a great opportunity for the customer to come to us, buy two vans, spend about $50,000 total. Okay. Right? And they were about twenty five, twenty six thousand 26000 each. Right. Um, and we were able to do that when rates were a little bit better. Rates are now <laughs> higher. Um, so about you know, 18, 19 months ago for about 4.5%. Oh, wow. Right? And so um, you know, never to, to throw a rate out there as if that rate would, would, would be something that we would offer to everyone in, in every circumstance. 
but just to help you to understand, we were able to help that customer, right, mm-hmm. with more of the one-off because right. we knew who they were. We had a relationship. We said, hey, we have a loan that fits your need, gotcha. and we don't require you to purchase 10, 12 10. Of, ve- of these vehicles yeah. for you to qualify. So that brings up a great point. So are there any industries um, that will turn off a financial institution? What I mean by that is let's be completely transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, there's a lot of individuals who, you know, with the pandemic, they don't really want to go back to the workforce, right? So they're right. starting businesses, but not everything is um, is fundable or, you know, is, is going to be profitable. It may take some time, but, you know, a lot of, you know, organizations may start, you know, a, a clothing line, a t-shirt line, nonprofits. And are there any industries that, you know, just aren't attractable? For banks, when you look to like, hey, this is not something that we've normally done. Um, we don't know if it's possible, or is there something like there's a situation, there's a circumstance for each situation that you guys can, you know, help with. Yeah, I think I think that that brings up a really valid point because banks for years have found that if they align with federal guidelines right. around certain types of industries, that they will not have to worry about additional reporting for those industries. And so, you know, when I think of gaming, when I right. think of, um, we, we call it the vice. Okay. Right? So, <laughs> so when, when, I, when I think of gaming, when I think of, you know, houses of ill repute, you right. know, the, the, there's, there's certain things that, that we, would, we would look to stay away from. Mm-hmm. I think one of the ones that has become, you know, very controversial here um, most recently mm-hmm. is cannabis. And, and, and that, is, that is one where you're looking at multiple states, uh, you're looking at the federal government really working quickly to decriminalize right. and to make legal the sale, the distribution, the growing. And so multiple states are really having an opportunity to invest in this particular product. And banks are still very, very, very shy um, to operate within that space, no matter how you're supporting mm. that industry. Mm. And so I, I, I think in terms of, once again, building that relationship right. with your banker, having that discussion, you know, hey, this is what I'm looking to get involved with. Right. I see an opportunity where I can make money. I see an opportunity where I have the network to support right. the sustainability of this business. Is this something that would find its way being prohibited mm. from a lending perspective. Gotcha. Because every bank is going to kind of have their not-not list. Okay. Yeah, no, that's important. And that kind of brings me to, like, you know, with the pandemic, we're in this place now where people are, like, going back into buildings, wanting to have their own buildings. And I think one question we receive a lot is, like, okay, um, should I lease a building or should I buy the building, right? They want to think of ownership, so they want to think, of maybe I should purchase the building, I can do other stuff with it, I can rent it out, et cetera. But from, you know, a banking side and a, you know, and a business credit side, is there a difference between if you want to go in and lease a building versus buying a building? Like, are there different things you look at when it comes to financing, um, lending, et cetera? Absolutely. So, you know, when, when interest rates are favorable, okay. um, and, and I would say even right now, they're, they're still to the point to where they're not fully unfavorable. Mm-hmm. But when interest rates are favorable, uh, when you look at having that as an asset on the books, the ability to depreciate um, that asset from an accounting perspective and receive kind of credit for that depreciation, 
your loan payments long term tend to be much more advantageous Mm -hmm. than what your lease agreement loan payments are. Okay. Right? Now, with anything, it's just like you would as a person. Mm -hmm. When you're leasing, many things are taken care of for you. For sure. Right? Um, When you are now the homeowner or the building owner, you are taking on additional responsibilities that you if you don't perform your research, may not have anticipated. Mm. So there there could be some room for um, unknown costs. Gotcha. And so I think, you know, when you sign a lease, you, you're signing a lease saying, I know what I expect to pay, no different from that for that period of time. Okay. Whereas when you own the building, you're not sure what your tax rate may be year right. after year. You're not necessarily sure what your maintenance cost for that building mm. will be. Um, and so I think it, it, it really is kind of a, a pros and cons approach. Gotcha. I think at the end of the day, we would all want to have more assets on the book. For sure. So that's another opportunity where you really want to have the conversation mm. with your banker to understand, am I ready for this? Mm. The payment may be cheaper. Right. But am I ready to take on the maintenance mm. expense of that property? Got you. And you also look at when it comes to lending uh, collateral, right? Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. That was that's something interesting. So, like, really breaking it down, what are some assets or collateral that people can utilize? You know, of course, there's what, um, of course, your your house. Mm-hmm. But what else is there that you know? Some not everyone's a homeowner. What other things can they be looking at to use as collateral? Absolutely. So, you know, when um, we look at businesses uh, as an example, so so excluding any kind of personal assets okay. that, that you would have. Um, when we look at a business, when we are thinking of collateralization for that business, okay. we are thinking of a hard asset like a building okay. or a piece of equipment. Okay. But for a line of credit, as an example, mm-hmm. our asset is really your accounts receivable. Okay. Right? Because really, a line of credit is designed to cover timing differences. Mm-hmm. And when you are paid from those accounts receivable, to okay. so when you then pay your vendors. Okay. Right? And so that is what we are securitizing, Okay. right? That's our collateral because we know that if we allow you to advance $100, okay. you're in the process of collecting that $100, right? Makes sense. And so that would be our collateral. And we do a thorough collateral examination to really understand, okay, what does the accounts receivable look like, Okay. right? Can't... What does that look like for us from a collateral standpoint right. when it comes to a line of credit? You know, from a real estate, we're always looking at, does that real estate appraise at certain value to get us a loan value, right? Gotcha. So we're going to look at that. I think those are maybe a little bit more straightforward, but I really wanted to highlight the accounts receivable because that is where, for lines of credit, a bank is immediately going. Because okay. ideally, that would be the only reason why you would need right. that line of credit right. is to support those timing differences. Let's talk about that. So service-based business, like kind of like we're in on our agency side, right? We may have contracts for like 2023 that's kind of spread out over time. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to, I guess, document or showcase that? For example, like if we know we have something, um, a client that's going to do a project with us Q4 2023, but we want to begin working on it, you know, Q1, build out, et cetera, is what would be needed, like a promissory note or a contract agreement to like kind of show – that, you know, we, we have those funds for sure coming in Q4. We just can't account for it right now. 
like maybe if you wanted to front load and get a line of credit, like to spread us out over 2023. Gotcha. So, you know, I would say, uh, I don't know if a promissory note would be signed off mm. by the other party. Right, right. It, 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 might, it might be helpful and be signed off there. Right. I think what we would typically look at, um, and once again, just really speaking from, you know, conventional bank right. frost, we would we would really look at, all right, what what is your 90 day? Okay. Right? Um, versus anything beyond that. Okay, 90 days. Now there are companies, mm-hmm. right, that will that will go in and they will examine what those contracts look like, mm-hmm. what that accounts receivable aging in the future will look like. Okay. And they will provide funding. Right. Okay. You know, and and They'll basically assign the accounts receivable to them. Mm-hmm. They'll collect it. They'll advance you ahead of time, you know, for that. And those are great opportunities, right? right? As you're trying to grow your business, mm-hmm. the one thing you have to think about there is sustainability. Okay. If that type of company advances you based on that accounts receivable because you have those contracts, right. um, that will be easy to get used to. That will make it tough for you to transition to a conventional line of credit. Okay. Because the credit terms that that company is giving you mm-hmm. to advance on that is much more liberal and broader than what a conventional bank would. Okay. And so I would say those are things that we see quite often. Okay. When we look to help customers transition from those type of instruments, okay. it's very challenging. Um, are you familiar with like working capital and like a company called NAV? I'm not. I'm not. Okay, but you're from a working capital though? Absolutely. Okay, so those don't report anything, right? So Square, Shopify, mm-hmm. is basically they look at your transaction history and they'll guarantee you, you know, X amount of dollars based on your transactions in a certain period of time. Right. They'll charge, you know, um, you know, their fee to give you the loan. And then you just pay it back over, you know, transactions. Um for those who are getting those offers, just from your you know personal experience perspective, do you think those are good opportunities, or do you think they should shy away from them? Um, because it does a report. I mean, it takes percentage of your transactions, so it's an opportunity to get capital now. Right. But we're thinking long term. We think we want to build business credit. So for the long term, do these opportunities even matter? You know, I think I think it's important to look at all funding sources okay. when you're starting out, um, because. You know, at, at the end of the day, you, you can't go to one financial institution right. um, or one funding source. You have to always be thinking about how does your business operate? Mm. And is there a funding source that can keep me operating right. but give me a little bit of leverage to ramp up, to scale up? Mm-hmm. So I, I would never dissuade anyone from doing one thing versus the other because it has to be supportive for that particular business. Right. What I would say is recognize where you want to go okay. and recognize that if this funding source is not designed to be a long-term mm-hmm. growth mechanism for your business, right. you may want to find yourself weaning off of it slowly. Okay. Makes sense. So that brings up NAV. So NAV, NAV's a company to where it's like you sign up, they report your business credit to like Duns, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's like a monthly thing you pay them and they report whatever you pay them monthly, like their, I don't know, subscription fee, whatever. They report right. that, right? But what NAV also does is based on the information you provide, they give you opportunities um, 
to other organizations. So there's private lenders, there's, I don't know what you call it, other lenders, and there's like credit card companies. And I looked at some of those interest rates, and they're like 18 to 25%. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like, man, this is extremely high, right? right? Would you recommend somebody, even though it's a high percentage, take it, just keep your credit utilization low? Or would you say, hey, those opportunities are like predatory? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I, I've got a story when I first started in the business, um, you know, business and consumer credit cards for a company that I worked for. Um, that was absorbed by a much larger company. I'll, I'll, I'll leave their name right. out, out of this, but um, there were credit card rates of thirty-seven point nine nine percent. I've seen so much of fifty on their website, right? And 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 so you know when when you think about the term usury, uh, right? Where where hey that that's really going above and beyond what you should be charging a consumer. Um, I think credit card companies and companies that fall into this kind of revolving short-term design debt are able, I mean, look at payday lenders, right? Oh, yeah. They were able to really capitalize on business owners, entrepreneurs, because if you didn't have um, the education from starting your business, education from uh, a, a business banker, you know, someone at the bank to really help you to understand that may be a, a, a right away funding source, right. but it's going to be difficult to detach from it. Mm-hmm. You may have thought differently about doing it. And so when, when I think of some of these programs that like you, you've just talked about, at the end of the day, what you have to decide is how long right. will you remain on that? Mm-hmm. Is it bad because it's a higher interest rate than normal? Not necessarily. Right. As a new entrepreneur, unless you have cash in the bank to self-fund, right. you're going to run into financing costs that may not be as favorable until you're more established. Right. So know that, know that. But also know that as you grow and you're able to transition to much more favorable rates and pricing, don't allow something like that to hinder your ability to take advantage of your growth. Yeah, that makes sense. And we, when we talk about growth... I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs really need to understand their company books, their numbers, right? Yes. You have to know your numbers. Um, I feel like I talk about QuickBooks so much that, you know, I need to do something with QuickBooks. But I really want to make sure entrepreneurs understand that um, even from, you know, from a banking perspective, how important it is to have your books together, your reports together, et cetera. So, you know, really quickly or however long it takes, just kind of explain to us, like, what stuff you guys will look for, you know, from, you know, a report perspective that people need to have in order when they're, you know, looking, um, you know, to seek financing? Absolutely. So first, first and foremost, um, you know, when, when you're going to the bank and you're asking for funding, right? that bank is really making an investment in your business. For sure. Right? Now, they may put terms on it and they may put, a, put an interest rate on it, but they're really investing in your business. Right. And so you have to think in, in, in those terms. If you went to someone else and said, hey, can you invest in my business? Right. You're going to have to do a little bit more mm-hmm. than, than tell them how great right. the business is and yeah. how great you will be running the business. Yeah, they want to see it. They want to <laughs> they they see the, the, the details that you've compiled. And so, so whether that is a business plan because you're just getting started and this is what you anticipate your sales to be. Okay. Or... You have sales, 
And this is what so many entrepreneurs, and when I say young, I don't mean age, I mean young in business, um, will not do is they don't track early sales, right? And I don't care if you're selling out of your trunk, your garage, out of a, out of a, Friends business, tracking those sales is so important. Tracking your expenses, so important. And so I think sometimes you have business owners that have been doing it for two years and they have no proof to show for it. Right. I talked to a business owner the other day. They had no financials to show how long that they had been performing in business and it excluded them from some SBA mm. dollars that were available in a grant form oh, wow. through this pandemic. Mm. A lot of people missed opportunities during that. Now, now what a shame that is. Right. Yep. And, and so it's, it's incredibly vital um, to your bank and especially to Frost to really document, have those financials if you need help preparing them. Mm. There, I mean, there's so many tools, right? Mm. There's QuickBooks. Um, there's other software that you can download you can work with the bank. The bank is going to give you a template. Okay. Um, you know, there's so many resources gotcha. to to have a balance sheet and income statement and work through that, right? Gotcha. Whether even if you're not comfortable in Excel, you can work through that, mm. right? You can plug and play. Plug and play. Um, you guys provide those templates as well. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm all about plug and play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when when folks are are starting out, you need to start from somewhere. For you sure. need that help. And so we do that on the business side and on the personal side. Okay. So I think, you know, it's one thing to have uh, business financials and tracking. The other thing is folks tracking their personal finances. Right. And so filling out a personal financial statement mm. two to three times a year as your financial condition changes is important because the bank is requesting a personal financial statement mm. for that personal guarantee every time you apply for business credit, okay. right? So I'm not just saying, KG, I want you to sign here as a personal guarantee. Right. I actually want to see what, what do you bring to the table outside of your credit score? Okay. Right? So, so if we're the owner-operator of a business, should we be, some people don't send themselves a paycheck, but should they do like weekly, bi-weekly, monthly transfers to themselves showing that they're paying themselves? Like what's the best way to document that? Because, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are just living and operating out their business account, and I know that's not the correct way to do it. Yeah. So what's the best way to separate them two so that way, you know, when it does get to that point, they can showcase, hey, this is how much, you know, my company is making. I pay myself. I do these, you know, monthly transfers, and that way it shows personal business. Like, what's the best route that you would look at that you would like to see? Yeah, I think I think the more detail, the better. Okay. And, and I think you bring up a great point. There are so many business owners. Um that are getting started, I would say if you're an established business, right, you're, you, you've got it set up where you're paying yourself because you probably have employees and you're paying right. them. As you get started, you know, the idea is, well, I'm not going to take a paycheck right. because everything I make with the business is just kind of being reinvested. Right. Um, and there may be times where it's, it's necessary for, for it to even look that way, mm. right? And, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, discourage that. Okay. But I'd say once you're established, once you're about 18 months, 24 mm-hmm. months in, you would really want to show that you're taking funds out of the business. 
Okay. And you either want to show that you're taking a paycheck or that you're taking some sort of distribution from the business, right? Because at the end of the day, if I have a personal guarantee from you Mm -hmm. and I'm giving you a loan Mm -hmm. that the backing of that loan is you individually, I have to know that you're pulling enough money out of the business to actually support the current debt that you have personally. So I do need to see that you're tracking some level of income or distribution that is income from that business. That makes sense. That kind of brings us to like this full circle moment, right? This is relationships with money. We talked about the relationship between personal and business credit. Um, You know, I wanted wanted to talk about you for a second. So like you're um, senior vice president. Um, What was your like? What was your relationship with money like growing up that, you know, made you who you are today? Was it a positive? Was it negative? Was it certain situations you went through that you realized early on that, like, I have to learn about this more so that I could take care of myself and, you know, my family be well off? Like, what was your relationship with money like? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because, you know, growing growing up, I was a military brat. Same. Um, <laughs> Same so um, originally from San Francisco and, and, and we left and we hit multiple duty stations and then wound up in Texas uh, just in time for high school for me. Um, so growing up around the military, money was not um, anything that uh, I, I regarded as have not or, or have. Okay. Um, because being on the base, you were just kind of supported in exactly. a different way. It, right. it, I, I would say myself growing up, um, I never really had a concept of a lack or, or need right. to acquire money from, from a from either a struggle standpoint or just a a, a, a standpoint of um, uh, goals, right? right? And I think what happened was when I went, um, graduated high school, went into college, um, that's when I said, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> going into the military. I'm not going right. to be kind of supported in this, you know, army bubble. Right. Uh, I, need to, I need to be able to fend for myself. Right. And, and I think that's when I really dis- saw the value of, you know, selecting a career mm-hmm. that would probably bring me more in line with right. earning what I wanted to earn and acquiring what I wanted to acquire, okay. which is really why I got into banking. Okay. So to be able to, that makes sense. That makes sense. And how early was that? Was in college when you knew, when you knew that? Yeah, that was, that was early on. So that was, you know, 18, 19 years old. Okay. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not going yeah. Uh, in, into the military, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to choose a different career. <laughs> I'm going to do something different. And and I said, I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm seeing uh, individuals that that are not tied to the government for the first time, and I'm I'm seeing the things that they were able to accomplish. Um, so whether it was home buying or you know that that really yeah. nice car outside, right? You know, yeah. I'm I'm seeing all these things. And then, and, and that really sparked that bug. And I said, okay, what do I need to do to really right set my mentality if I'm not going to go into government and I'm going to stay outside of that? How do I take care of myself? How do I set goals with money? How do I buy a home? Right. Right. Um, you know, with, with the army, you, VA loan. Yeah. Right. For sure. Well, I'm not in the army. So now I've got to figure out, oh, do right. FHA, do I do? You know, what's my my first time home buyer opportunity? Exactly. I think all of those things started to trickle in at, at an early age and really set the tone. Last but not least, before we get out of here, are there any personal or business credit hacks that you could provide to the audience um, just to kind of help them get started on the right path? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, in, in this day and age with interest rates rising, credit card companies are getting pretty aggressive. Okay. Um, in, in the sense of they are looking um, to fill that, that, that void okay. of customers that are not revolving debt, okay. right? So those, those folks that are paying their bill off uh, every single month yeah. are really hurting those credit card companies. <laughs> okay. And so credit card companies are becoming um, a little bit more aggressive with, with their approval tactics and what have you. And it's a great time to really assess where you're at with your personal debt, with your personal credit. Um, I would never recommend just applying for a bunch of credit cards. But what I would recommend is taking advantage of a time where uh, the approval opportunity for credit cards is a little higher. Now, with that said, some of the interest rates are a little higher. So you still have to be disciplined in how you approach it. But what that does for your credit score and what that does for your overall debt to utilization mm-hmm. is powerful, okay. right? Because that new credit card that comes onto your credit report, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's $1,000 or $25,000, right. shows that you have additional utilization, sure. which then will go to raise your credit score. Mm. And so, you know, when, when I think of a hack, I think of something that, that basically will give you an in, okay. right, to really showcasing your credit, the discipline of your credit, but really improving that score. Because what it looks like is you have utilization for a whole lot more credit than you had the day prior, right? which then will raise your score. So once again, I preface that with do that with discipline. For sure. Um, but that is one thing that we're seeing right now because interest rates are rising. People are getting a little bit concerned about using those credit gotcha. cards at high rates. The credit card companies in turn are approving a lot more. That's actually a hack. Um, but to play, you know, devil's advocate. What would you say, because if people say, right, when you apply for new credit, it also takes your score down, right? So is the utilization weighed more than the, um, what is it, the application? Than the inquiry? The inquiries, yeah. Yeah, so the, the utilization will always weigh more. Okay, for sure. So, so the, the inquiry could be anywhere from two points okay. to three points, whereas the, the utilization change, right? you know, say, say your utilization and your credit uh, personally, is, I don't know, 60%. Okay. Right? And you get a new credit card that drives it from 60% down to 40. Mm. Oh, yeah. Instantly, that's going to begin to raise your credit score. Right. Now, once again, be disciplined about how you use that new credit. For sure. But at the same time, those two or three points are nothing yeah. Yeah. compared to the 15-point, 18-point boost. Right from improving your utilization percentage. That's a gem right there, because I know so many people are worried about it. I don't want to keep applying, because the inquiries right. are going to you know, been, uh, have a negative effect on my credit report, so they don't apply. But you know, if you get approved, and it, you know, it, um, it decreases utilization, they do say, well, under 30% is where, is where you want to be. We want to be preferred, right? And so, so the only way to do that, mm-hmm. as you improve your credit score, mm-hmm. is to have either all of your credit paid down to that 30% or have a new facility that improves the ratio. Okay. Does uh, our our authorized users really a hack or is that kind of like a, (laughs) like a hidden screen? (laughs) You know, it, I I think authorized users are interesting Mm -hmm. because, you know, 
if you have a significant balance on that card, now that authorized user could be impacted by their own utilization. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example. My son, I've added him as an authorized user to start building his credit profile before he turns 18. Yeah. Is it a hack? I'll know when he turns <laughs> 18. Um, but, but at the same time, when, when you look at those authorized users, probably the best scenario for an authorized user on a card yeah. is a card that has a zero to minimal balance mm. in relation to its credit limit. Mm. Otherwise, negatively impact it, 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 it pretty much will almost guarantee negatively impact right. them if they're trying to build on. Because right. now all of a sudden there's a new card in their profile with a chunky balance. Right. That makes sense. That's a gem right there, too. Because I know that was a, a trending topic for a while, too. Like, I need to be added to authorized user accounts. I need to be added. Right. Now realizing, you know, what the balance on that account is, it yeah. could, it could uh, impact you in a negative way. I think the ultimate hack when it comes to credit is understanding um, that – there's not necessarily a human behind how your score is being driven. Right. Um, you know, we've we've gotten very very comfortable with algorithms. For sure, we've gotten very comfortable with financial models that determine your score by where you live, mm -hmm. your score by where you work, right. your score by the reported income that you that you earn. For sure, um, all of these things are factors that credit reporting agencies are gathering. So whether you provide the data yourself, whether your employer provides it, whether another creditor provides it, doesn't matter. All of that data is being utilized to set your, your, your score, right? To improve your score, to decline your score. So, you know, the things that you can do, that hack, I love that word. I'm going to be using that. <laughs> um, the things that you can do to help yourself is to really look at your utilization rate. Um, and there's a number, uh, I won't necessarily plug any, any company in particular, right. but there are a number of credit tracking um, companies where there are apps on your phone. Um, I, am, I am the type of person that I check my bank accounts every single oh, day yeah. I uh, because I need to know where <laughs> I, I stand. And, and I utilize these, these you know, credit reporting tracking um, to understand where my credit is. For sure. And so I think anything that you become passionate about um, as an entrepreneur, you have to be equally passionate about with your credit because that is going to be the key driver in making sure uh, that you are a creditworthy candidate for your new venture. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, Di, you say so many gems. I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Cosign Conversation Relationships with Money podcast. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to love the information. Um, if you want more uh, information or if you have any questions, you can always leave them in the comments. I'll make sure that, you know, I email us to dot more questions if you guys have some. So that way we can build a relationship with Frost Bank. Um, as always, thank you all for tuning in. Please comment, like, share, subscribe. And I hope you really enjoyed this and reach out if you have any questions when it comes to you know business credit, personal credit or financial literacy. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.